saying that I'm recording, so I will take its word for it. Welcome to another episode of the Air Raid Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael. As always, listen to us on the Unhinged Sports Network every Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern. And also, uh, I guess, uh, subscribe to our podcast. That's the word I'm looking for on iTunes, Google, iHeartRadio, all that good major podcast platforms. Today, we welcome back a good friend of mine. He's been on the show many times, and he's definitely back many more down the future. David is with us on today's episode. David, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, my brother? Well, thanks, Michael. It's been good to be back, and uh, it's been a while since we've done this. I mean, we, you and I have both gone on separate vacations, and uh, life's been busy, but it's good to be back on the show and talking what we like to do is just talk sports. Definitely, indeed. Life's been busy. I know on my end, uh, coming back the middle, you know, it was the 7th, I think, uh, 4th or 5th of May, coming back from Phoenix, spent some time out there. I uh, loved every moment out there. And then coming back to work, and it's been hectic since, but uh, definitely glad to to get you back on and uh, talking sports because, boy, oh, boy, we got uh, a lot's happened since our last conversation. Yeah, most definitely. First things first, I know <laughs> I love the, po- the the link, the post that you shared and, and to me on Facebook, uh, <laughs> the NBA What's your personal thoughts? And, I, and I'll say mine. I know I told Dan on last night's episode, but uh, it's currently being aired right now on the Internet Sports Network. But what, what do you think of the NBA's fans? I know mainly in, uh, I believe it was Boston, but of fans throwing bottles, Russell Westbrook getting popcorn dumped on his head. Uh, I think a fan ran onto the court. I guess he didn't get very far, but before he's being tackled on the, on the hardwood. What's your thoughts on this insane stuff? I know I saw a tweet I answered to, someone posted, you know, we just now got back into the arenas. Do we think we're going to be banned again from the arenas, so on and so forth? I mentioned if worse comes to worse, which would be more logic, but you never know, extending the tunnel uh, in regards to an awning, just a structural thing where awnings pretty much you're leading to the court, so you're not, as we all know, many, many years ago with Detroit and Indiana, where fans and all the players have started punching each other. Anyway, what's your thoughts on this unnecessary stuff that's been taking place towards the NBA players? Well, uh, I think it is, uh, uh, you take a, like a soda pop can and you shake it up and then you open it, it's going to go everywhere. And for the last 15 months, you know, this is the first time we've been people actually been able to go to games with crowds um, in quite some time. I mean, there's been fans allowed at certain stages, but it's been limited capacity. And I think it's just uh, people are uh, pent up and they're just, you know, they want to let out some excitement. But I think they're just they're they're realizing that it's uh, they're going overboard. And of course, alcohol impairs your judgment, so. I mean, if you were able to do like a BAC test on some of these fans, it'd probably be pretty high on all, all of them because no sober person would ever do what these fans are doing. No, I agree. And I know some of the charges um, were big time. I know towards Kyrie Irving, I think uh, the guy was charged. Um, they got a felony, I think a battery, I think is what they ended up being. I don't know anything on the fan that dumped the popcorn on Russell Westbrook of the Washington Wizards. Uh, I don't know if anything happened, really. 
to the guy that ran onto the court, or at least attempted to run on the court before being tackled uh, with, the, with the basketball goals at. But, no, it's sad nonetheless. Um, not for sure. I'm sure alcohol's played a role in it. Um, if not, it's then it's just flat out disrespectful behavior nonetheless. But, you know, it, it's sad that – that's sad that we we get back to that we get back to somewhat normalcy. Even starting to get more and more as as we speak, but and then stuff like this tries tries to and tries to ruin it for us. Yeah, most definitely. In fact, I think um, I was reading some articles online about it, about these incidents and. In, uh, some some authors and writers are saying it probably has to do with some of these fact that these players are taking a stand on social justice issues and they're not they're feeling disrespected so they're they're targeting these players because of that. Well, hopefully, nonetheless, the and I credit to the law enforcement, uh, to the respective um, arena personnel to handling it as quick as they did. I'm not for sure how much the NBA got their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak, but nonetheless, um, power to them. I, I give them credit uh, for credit's due. I think they've done um, done well, I think, for the most part. Yeah. Um, one question I wanted to ask and on the last episode with you on it and totally forgot and we've been talking about it is Deshaun Watson, of course, has kind of been quiet since all the the rumors and so on and so forth of what Deshaun Watson may have been involved with. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say he was. I wasn't there. If, he, if it took place, I wasn't there. If it didn't take place, I still wasn't there. So regardless, I wasn't there. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I know he still doesn't want to be in Houston with – there's the allegations, we'll put it that way. With these allegations that's towards them, first of all, your opinions on the situation, on the current situation with Sean Watson and the multiple, multiple, multiple women um, that's being mentioned in this case. Allegation one, I guess a 1B would be, if you're an NFL organization, I mean, a team that's desperate for a quarterback, would you still risk trying to trade for a for a Pro Bowl quarterback? Well, if, if for someone like Deshaun Watson, maybe. But the fact that the number of women that have come forward are um, – the, 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 the sheer number is concerning. I mean, it's just not one or two. It's not just a small handful. We're talking over almost two dozen women have come forward. And – I wouldn't necessarily, if I were GM, even if I was most desperate for a quarterback, I would look elsewhere because, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm still here. Something went, something went screwy on that. Yeah, that was weird because all of a sudden you went dropped. I'm like, huh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I was waiting for you to respond, and then I started talking again, and the next thing, you know, the recording responded. So <laughs> that's got to be edited out. <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> – yeah, we'll definitely get that. I'll definitely get that one taken care of. Um, but 
uh, kind of rephrase uh, in case I don't know how much it did or didn't uh, catch what you were saying. Pretty much rephrase of what um, what may or may not happen if you're an NFL quarter or an NFL quarterback or NFL yeah, organization uh, yeah, for Deshaun Watson. As I was, as I was saying, um, I don't care how desperate you are as a GM, the risk is just too big. Um, with the sheer number of women that have come forward and the fact that the it could be it's starting to look like even a couple of these might be legitimate and if they're legitimate, his career's done. I mean, you just can't have that in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. In recent years, it might, um, you know, just couple. We can just kind of say, yeah, it happened. Maybe a call, but in today's culture. Especially the whole, you, you just can't have this guy playing. So it's time to freeze all the trade talks. Um, and I think the NFL needs to step in and give Texans a option to where um, they can, if some of these allegations become true, they can release him from his contract without having to pay because it's not fair even to the Texans. Uh, they'll be paying this guy millions of dollars and he's sitting in jail cell somewhere because he signed a contract. There needs to be a release clause if there isn't already. Oh, absolutely. And um, no, I totally agree. I think in this, in this atmosphere or in this situation that the Houston Texans are in, of course, Deshaun Watson as well, I, but mainly towards the organization of Houston, I think the league has to run a good deal in the NFL. I think they have to go in there and I think I totally agree with you. I think they have to give Houston a chance to, hey, here's what, you know, you know, we understand the situation. Um, here's your options. I think in a way they can't, they should be able, you know, to, to release him without penalty in regards to cap space, cap, you know, dead cap is what they call it. So it's going to be interesting nonetheless. I think, I think the more, the more women that's coming out, now that's coming out, um, and I'm sure there's a lot more that we won't probably ever know. But nonetheless, I think it's a serious matter. And, and unfortunately, if if everything goes as I would assume it would go and never assume anything, but I think, and as you said, I think Deshaun Watson is, is done in the NFL. Yeah. And they, they haven't said it. The Texans haven't said anything whether he's reported to OTAs or not, but – I imagine he hasn't because it's just the he just I, I think he's, he's got he's got his attention needs to be focused on this whole thing and get this thing behind him because if something's happened and it's being overblown he needs to have a fair chance to defend himself but then again if he's done something he shouldn't have he needs to step up and take responsibility. Totally agree, hundred um, percent with you. Of course. Uh, Nonetheless, we'll see. I think. Uh, I think. Nonetheless, regardless of what Houston does, I think uh, Deshaun Watson won't be the starting quarterback of twenty-one, um, unless something just poofs out of nowhere and unexpectedly, or you know, as people would say, money might have been shuffled. You never know. But nonetheless, it's going to be interesting to kind of keep an eye on uh, in Houston, especially with this with this Deshaun Watson. Uh, situation, but staying in the NFL, I kind of want to pick your brain, David, and, you know, I've talked, I've talked with Clyde, I've talked with Dan, I've talked, I might mention it to someone, someone else on the show, but we're looking, it might have been, 
coach Coach Fleeney out in um, Kentucky, but here, here of course, I got I want to pick your brain. Aaron Rodgers, the situation with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, right before draft, uh, the NFL draft took place last month, comes out and says, whatever, you know, I don't want to be here, blah, 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 blah. He's, he's, he, he speaks his frustration about the front office and his contract and everything else. So here comes Aaron Rodgers. He's 37. He's a reigning league MVP. Uh, NFL draft night. I tweeted out, and I got a lot of negative towards, you know, oh, you're stupid for that. You're saying that you would give, you know, you, why wouldn't you trade for Aaron Rodgers? You got Drew Locke and so on and so forth. My personal opinion, he's 37 years old. I'm not going to give up three first-round picks for a guy that may have two, three years left and then be put back in the same situation uh, roughly 2025 at very best. What's your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers situation from your personal standpoint? And then on top of that, um, me personally, I don't think he gets traded. But uh, if – do you think he'll get traded? If so, where do you think he'll wind up uh, come 2021? Well, the, the, the thing is, is that he's missed OTAs. Yep. He has not reported for OTAs. And now the question is, does the front office of the Packers find him for that? And if they do, he's more likely to put his foot down and say, okay, this is what's going on. I've seen the news. I've heard the rumors. This is what's happening. And if they start, if they start talking, they can't get to agreement. I think he's going to be traded. But the problem is, he's got that big contract of his yep. that the team has to pick up. That really limits the number of teams that can do it. Um, what I think is, uh, is I uh, like I said, Denver's the one of the top picks. They've got the cap space. They need the quarterback. His fiance is from the Denver area. And I mean, everything points to if he gets traded, he's going to Denver. And Denver has the pieces that they can give up without mm-hmm. sacrificing too much. But that being said, you look at Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Everybody loves Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's more or less if. They're the what's before he gets traded, the Packers front office and him are going to sit down, they're going to try to work it out. And I think they may get something worked out because it would be devastating to Green Bay to lose Aaron Rodgers. I totally agree. Um, I personally, you know, and I'll still stick to you know to what I've been saying, I still think Denver. I don't think he gets traded, but if he does, I think, unfortunately, it's going to be to Denver. But um, and people are like, well, why would you say – I know Clyde, he, him and I argued about it uh, two or three shows ago. But, you know, I just wouldn't give up the humongous pieces. I mean, if you want to throw in a first-rounder, okay, well, those will be it. Three, that's a lot of future um, out there. But, you know, I do like what George Payton, the general manager of the Denver Broncos, said um, – on draft night and also just even during leading up to literally as we record right now is he understand he's, he's got the draft picks. He's, he's, he made wheeling and dealing on uh, I think it was day two of the NFL draft. He made a lot of trades that involved draft picks, kind of like a Sam Presti does with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I swear to God, there's more, there's more draft picks. I think we have players, but, um, 
but nonetheless, it's it's you know he's done a phenomenal job. Of course, I've been reading the articles on Facebook. Here's here's George Payton's. Literally, he hasn't even become a manager for a general manager for a whole year, and we're going to cement his legacy. And and it's 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 trading for Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to win a Super Bowl with two or three or four, and you know so be it. Clyde, you know I'm not going to rephrase what he said, but practically, you know, so you wouldn't trade for a Super Bowl. Okay, let's be honest. We all love our favorite team. We all love the fact that when they win a Super Bowl, if you haven't ex- never experienced it, it's a great feeling. I've all the three times with Denver. But um, I'll be honest, David. I just – I'm having a really hard time just giving up a future for a 37-year-old quarterback that may or may not – well, first of all, we don't know if he's going to win a Super Bowl. Second of all, he may not even be healthy – uh, in one or two seasons, he may play and tear his ACL, and that's that. I mean, yeah, I get there's so many. This it's a business, it's a risk. The reward may be higher at the end of the day, but yes, I understand. I would, you know, yes, it would upgrade. And I, like I told someone on Twitter during this, literally a tyrant of all these people, back, you know, coming at me, which I don't mind that, but. You know, yes, I understand. I'm not dumb enough to say I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I just don't want him at the price that they're wanting to practically get in return. I just think that's outrageous. Most definitely. And, you know, it's one of those things that what do you uh, – are you willing to take on this beefy contract? I mean, here's what, here's what his uh, contract is just for, for reference purposes here. It's a four-year, $134 million contract, a $57.5 million signing bonus, $33.5 million annual salary, and total guarantees. This is the big one. Total guarantees, no matter who he plays for, if someone picks up his contract, they have to pay him a total of $98.7 million. Man. And... And in 2021, he's projected to play to pick up 14.7 million in base salary, 11.5 signing bonus, another 6.8 million for being on the roster, a 2.852 restructuring, and another 850 thousand dollar just tossed in there under miscellaneous. The team that takes him on. Will have a cap hit of thirty-seven point two million if he's traded. Wow. Yeah. So that's one of the limits of him being being traded is because of that cap hit. Well, that's a tough one because, again, you know, in Denver, I know Denver has the cap space. They won't have much after this if they, if they happen to, to exactly. Him, and then, like you said, field, he's but. thirty. He's thirty-seven years old. You know, he's he's getting up there in years. I mean, Tom Brady's, you know, I think part bionic in him because there's no reason <laughs> that a quarterback should be that good. You know, past forty. I mean, you look at Brett Favre. You know, the old gunslinger when he hit. When he had 40 in his last couple of years, the Vikings, he, you know, he lost his, the, his throwing ability. He lost his 
um, scrambling. I mean, he's lost everything. Tom Brady's just going the opposite direction. It's, it's ridiculous. And, but it's that risk of his age. If he was a few years younger, there might be a few more teams wanting to take that cap hit. But because he's 37 and he's taken a few hits in his career, um, I think he's, uh, it's a little too risky for most teams. Well, I mean, again, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm keeping a close eye on the, on the OTAs. I mean, people are like, it's just the OTAs. I get it. It's not meaningful football. It's not whatever. I like it. It's football. I mean, we're less than 100 days. I think we're at 96 now or something like that. But um, I like what Denver's seen. Teddy Bridgewater's looking good. Drew Locke, I like his zip on his ball. I know he's been picked off a few times, which, you know, whatever. But, you know, I just – I know Clyde said he's going to listen to the show uh, once it gets released, and that's perfectly fine. But I'm sorry, Clyde, and everybody else that's out there listening. I just uh, – I wouldn't sell the farm for a quarterback that uh, is going to sink you in the cap space hole. And on top of that, who may or may not win you another Super Bowl or may not – I mean – Look at a bright side, on the, not really bright side, but look at the same thing. He may do the same thing he's doing to Green Bay, to Denver, or to San Francisco, or whoever that feels the need to go for him and wants out. I mean, I just think he should retire. Well, he, could, he should continue to play. I mean, if he if he's so worried about uh, Jeopardy, I say retire and, and and go be the Jeopardy's host and Godspeed. Yep. And I think that's one of the great things. I mean, and he may just, he may have, and the thing is, though, is uh, Jeopardy doesn't film year round. They only no, film, mm-hmm. they film a week of shows in a day, and their filming schedule is like four or five months. So, I mean, he could easily do that in the offseason if he so wanted to. And that's but true. Yeah. the other thing is, is, there would be appearances. You I mean look at well, the late Alex Trebek did. He made appearances all over when he wasn't filming. Yep. And there may have to be some things that they may want to do if he's going to be the new host that he may not be able to do because he's got football games going on because he might be able to travel the world and um, go do other appearances because, you know, you just can't – it's not just – it's not as simple as play football during football season and then we'll film – in the offseason, though, there's a year-round gig. Well, it's going to be interesting nonetheless. You know, I know rumors keep going. Of course, um, Julio Jones, now he wants out of Atlanta. And, and his $36 million contract. And um, I like Julio. He's one of the best in the league. I'm not all for Denver. And, of course, Denver's always mentioned for everything, which whatever. Uh, I don't think Denver goes after him. In your scenario, um, I mentioned Tennessee. I think Dan said Seattle, but that's fine. Where do you think he lands, if you have an idea of potentially going anywhere? Um, that's if he does. I would love to see him and Kyle Pitts. Um, I would love to see That him. would be a humongous deal. But, you know, I mean, I get everybody wants to win, but not all the time are you going to win. Yeah. The uh, um, Well, one of the uh, – one of the Atlanta Falcons front office folks uh, put their foot down and said, we're not trading him unless we get a first round pick. And then they may not trade him until July. Uh, And I think honestly, the best, uh, 
the best fit for him might be Seattle. I think Seattle will be a good fit for him. I could see Seattle. I know Dan and I talked about that last night. Um, Ross is getting up there in age. You know, he's still – he's got a little, lot more farther down the road still left to go than, per se, a Tom Brady, even though I agree with you, Tom Brady's bionic, and I still don't think he's human. Um, but Tom Brady's still playing great football at 42 or whatever old he is now. Aaron Rodgers, he's 37, maybe 38 by now, I'm sure. Ben Roethlisberger, I think his playing days are done. But you look at you look at Seattle, and Russell Wilson wants to win. I mean, everybody wants to win. Let's just throw that out there. I, I like how he says, oh, yeah. oh, Russell wants to win. Well, so does, I'm sure, Drew Locke, and so does Patrick Mahomes, and and uh, Justin Herbert out at uh, Los Angeles. Well, I always keep saying it's San Diego Chargers, but the L.A. Chargers and Matthew Stafford now with the L.A. Rams. I mean – Everybody wants to win. Not unfortunately, not everybody's had the glorious times of winning, aka Matthew Stafford with Detroit. But um, nonetheless, we get everybody wants to win. But that would be a nice duo with Julio, uh, DK Metcalf. I know I'm missing Tyler Lockett. I, I still can't believe he's still playing in the league. I still remember him from Kansas State. Isn't Golden Tate still with the Seahawks? You know, I think if I think he is. I may be wrong, but I think he still is. Yeah, so if he's still with them, then you can throw him in the mix. I mean, he's not the one of the high-profile receivers, but he's pretty good. Um, no, they got a heck of a heck of a team. You know, the the funny part is, and I, I always give Dan and Ernie Seattle. You know, I got another Seattle fan. I'm trying to get on. Her husband or, or diehard Seattle fan. But what's funny is we got Seattle, who the offensive line is the biggest, has been the biggest issue. And and as we all know, it doesn't matter if you're Baker Mayfield or if you're Patrick or Mahomes. And he found that out in the Super Bowl this past season. You don't have an offensive line blocking you, you're as good as dead. Because I mean, you're just not gonna. You're not gonna make the throws. You're not gonna make the runs. Patrick Mahomes found that out. The, big, the Tampa Bay defensive line just tore him apart. Well, and that O line as well. But Denver knows by example. Drew Locks really knows that by example. If you don't have an offensive line, you're not gonna win. That's just all there's to it. But we're not gonna move down the ball. Yeah. Um, Julio. Well, I like about who you don't hear much from him on off the field. Not not that I'm aware of. I mean, I might have missed a few stories if he has been. Um, I just think Julio's – I just really want to see Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones together. I just want to see that. Yeah, that would, that would be something. Man. Yeah. And the other thing is, Seattle, They if, if it's a first-round pick that Atlanta wants, Seattle can't do that. They don't have a pick that they can give up. No, uh-uh. but what they can do is they can give up a second rounder and a proven defensive player, which is what the Falcons desperately need right now. Um, they could, uh, one of the trade scenarios I'm looking at here is the Seahawks send a 2022 second round pick and Quandre Dix to the Falcons for Julio Jones. And Dix is only a $6.1 million cap hit, and he could 
Ica team with Duran Harmon and Richie Grant to transform Atlanta safety group, which is about as bad as Kansas City's offensive line. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you look at the offensive – you know, a lot of people just don't give credit to the big boys. I mean, they play a huge factor. A lot of why Denver – I mean, I can speak for Denver, but why do I always say Denver? Well, unfortunately, my team experienced the most. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. When you don't when you don't have an offensive line, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You're not yeah. going to run the ball very well. You're definitely not going to pass the ball because you can't get the ball out of your hands quick enough to to even move the ball down. Right. So, you know you can't. You only have a couple seconds to get the ball in. You don't have time to look <laughs> downfield to see what's going on. <laughs> so I mean, and that's where and and you know it leads me to Drew Locke. You know, and of course I got you know not an argument but a friendly argument. Uh, with Clyde, and not just Clyde, I should pick, always pick on him, but with every practically everyone now is, here's why I think we shouldn't give up on Drew Locke just yet. First of all, last year was a horrendous year for Denver, let's say Oklahoma, for Denver in regards to injuries, you lose, well, Jawan James, right tackle, your offensive line was young, so they're kind of in and out. You weren't, at the time, you weren't for sure with, with Garrett Bowles at left. You got Cortland Sutton. He was out for the whole year. Noah Fant was injury prone throughout the season. Tim Patrick hit and miss. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton hit and miss. KJ, whatever. Jerry had his moments, moments at times. And he's a rookie, so that was, that's going to happen. Did he drop a lot of footballs? Yes, he did. Did he catch a lot of football? Yes, he did. His speed really is amazing, which I'll give that kick credit. I have nothing against Jerry Judy. He was a rookie, whatever. Running game has been an issue for quite a while. But you injury-prone offensively. Drew Locke got injured, I think, against Pittsburgh week two. Okay, so you don't have, again, I get it. Well, he's never on the field. Okay, I get it's a business. He flashed and dashed in 2019. He flashed and dashed 4-1, and one, only lost to Kansas City, who eventually went on and win Super Bowl. Yeah, that's not a bad resume. Last year, okay, he again, he had his flashes, he had his dashes. Okay. I just, I hate, and it's a business, and Cleveland knows by example, is everybody's out to kill the goat, everybody's out to hang someone in a matter of seconds. And, yes, I do agree with what Clyde said on, might have been last week's show, was, yeah, we did get spoiled. We got John Elway. We had some decent years of, um, with Jake Plummer. Uh, we had Brian Grease was okay. Then we got Peyton Manning. Yeah, ever since then, yeah, it's been horrendous. I, I get it. I still like his swag. I like Drew Locke's swag. I say give the kid one more chance. I, yeah, I say give him one more year. Yeah, exactly, and see what he can do. Get him some support, you know, offensive line and a couple of good, good wide receivers and see what he can do. And then maybe if things don't work out, then say, okay, but you just can't say, well, that didn't work out. When you got him, you got a fair chance, you're stacking the odds against him and setting him up to fail. Absolutely, and, and you know, and Next year, if we don't have many injuries, I mean, you, we're, I understand it's going to have some bumps and grinds. That's that's part of the game. But if we go through a whole 17-game season and not many injuries and he just – he's average, then okay. I lift my hand and say, hey, I was incorrect. He's obviously not a quarterback. 
I'm not going to sit here and say the next quarterback in the 2022 draft is anybody is anything going to be any good. You know, I know Spencer Rattler's name's being out. I don't think he's now. I will say this about Spencer Rattler: he's a heck of a quarterback at Oklahoma. I know I like reading these way, way too early NFL mock drafts, but the fact that he's being mentioned to come out early is surprising. I don't think he's ready. Yeah, I don't think he's ready either. But nonetheless, we'll see. Your thoughts, um, I don't know. Have you watched many much of the NBA playoffs um, so far, uh, David? Not really. I haven't really watched any. But I've been kind of keeping tabs on it through uh, ESPN app and a few other uh, news stories like that. And I really have time to sit back and watch a game, although I'm probably going to um, turn on the uh, second half of the Portland-Denver series because that looks like it's going to be a popcorn affair, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I'm with you, too. I haven't, I haven't watched a single um, ounce of NBA playoffs. i just, unfortunately, uh, been busy, but – no, I, I've been keeping up, of course, the ESPN app, Bleacher Report app, uh, so on and so forth. But I will bring up a certain team that many people do and don't like, the Los Angeles Lakers. Of course, they're in do and die mode tonight with Phoenix, which I love is hilarious because a lot of people, even though Phoenix has a one seed, really had no chance, according to a lot of these people, to win the series, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But let's portray, let's say, Anthony Davis. I believe from what I just saw during the recording, he's going to play tonight in game six. Let's say he does, but LeBron play, plays and everybody else still plays. And the Lakers lose. Dan says retire. I don't know how old LeBron is. I know he's in his mid-30s. I don't know how old he is. But if LeBron loses... Is this and – and it's a tough one because a lot of – you know, I've seen a lot of players go into their 40s and still do it. Could this be the beginning of the end of LeBron? I think so. I it could be because he's been – you remember, he came right out of high school. He was one of the last players to come right out of high school because shortly after he came out, NBA instituted – the one year, one gap year, where you have to have at least one year between your last game of high school and your first game in the NBA. Um, and so I think it's because of, uh, um, of that. And he's been all over the map. He's been to Cleveland twice. He's been to Miami. Uh, this is his third team. Um, and I just, uh, he's 36. He's, he's just about six months younger than my sister is so um so he, he's been playing for almost 20 years because he came out of high school so he started in the NBA when he was 18 he's been playing for almost 20 mm-hmm. years and basketball is one of the most demanding sports out there because you know you're all you're constantly running up and down the court you know that and hockey are always up and down you're not taking breaks you're not sitting down you're not you know, slow the pace down a little bit. It's come and go, come and go. And it and he's had some injury issues over the last few years. And so he's not exactly, you know, invincible. And I think if uh, he's going to take a look at this offseason, I think it depends on how the offseason goes and how he can rehab from these 
injuries he suffered before he makes a decision. I agree. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, think of LeBron as so. And like, and I will still repeat what I said last night to Dan. And I do agree. I, I like LeBron. I still think Michael Jordan is the best of all time. Uh, regardless, I'm sorry, the 6-0 and record in the NBA Finals is going to top whatever LeBron James does. Um, that's just my personal opinion. However, what LeBron James has done for the game is great. I still think he's behind Kobe. I still think he's behind Michael. Um, that's just my opinion. I We can fight back and forth with Kobe's one, Jordan's two. Yeah. And one, Kobe two, whatever. That's cool. I don't think LeBron passes them. And you're going to have yeah. that lover that they all, oh, he's the best of all time. Okay, well, cool. Yeah. I, I respect that. I'm not going to sit there and say you're a moron. I, yeah. I, I may disagree with it, but, you know, it's fun. And that's what I like about sports is you can, well, you're supposed to respect everybody's decision regardless and just kind of have a nice argument. Sometimes, unfortunately, you know, you do have your, your lovely people out there that choose to, uh, <laughs> choose to go on the deep end. And that's, that's fine too. Uh, but nonetheless, no, I, I think I, I wish LeBron would stay out of the politics realm. I wish he would stay out of the, you know, and I'm not going to bring much of above it because it's a touchy subject. But LeBron, I'm just going to say this. He just needs to stick to playing basketball. Yeah. Let whatever else on the sideline that really doesn't affect you. Uh, let that play out and, and move from there. Whether or not he does it, I doubt it. But, hey, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I think that's one of the things that kind of limits his legacy is this fact that he's kind of chosen to blur that line between playing the game and being an activist. There's nothing wrong with being an activist oh, for, probably, for a cause that you believe in. There's nothing wrong with that. I support um, him fighting for what he believes in is right. Yep. But there's a time to do that. And blurring that line Makes point makes fans kind of like you know what I don't like the way they're doing that. They're very very like I said, it's very touching in today's world. It's you know it's very triggered. I mean, you can, you can kill twenty minutes without even realizing talking politics and other things because everyone's got an opinion. I think it's just they've become more bold in making that opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, if you look at Kobe and Michael, they didn't uh, in MJ. They, uh, they didn't do that. They knew when it was game time, they stayed on the court. They did what they needed to do. And they let their athleticism do the talking. They didn't, you know, blur the line between sports and politics. No, I agree. I, I have nothing wrong with um, people fighting for what they believe in. You know, I 100% um, support them. Regardless if I do or don't believe in whatever, whatever they that they're fighting for, but I just and I get LeBron's a huge, huge figure, uh, role model especially to many people, and that's perfectly fine. But no, it's gonna be interesting. I think um, you know we talk new faces and it kind of stay in the NBA. You know, Trey Young looked amazing in his first uh, career appearance in the NBA playoffs. Um, I think – I don't think they made it last year. I don't think. Um, but give it out to Trey Young. Um, uh, Norman – what, Norman North High School, I believe. Norman North High School, University of Oklahoma. And University of Oklahoma. And, 
top five draft pick with the Hawks. Yep. Congrats to him, and uh, I hope he does yeah. well in the second round. Yeah, and it's interesting because he's now New York's favorite villain. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting, interesting <laughs> to watch. I mean, I'm not a Knicks guy, but um, I'm not either. No, no, but I think it's interesting to watch. I mean, and it's and that franchise has been kind of um, toiling in mediocrity for the last few years, and I think it's time. You know, I think it'd be great if they could get back into it and then have a rivalry, you know, with the Hawks and Trey Young, and it could really ignite people to tune into basketball again. Because if you remember basketball last year, they're the ones that kind of started this whole um, social justice movement, and fans guy got turned off from it. Yep. And uh, in fact, I know a couple of people personally who did not renew their tickets with the Thunder, season tickets with the Thunder because of the social justice issues, just their opinions, their right to do that. Of course. And, uh, I think if they can, if the fans are like waving it, this is interesting. I might get back into basketball. They could do both well for the NBA as far as viewership is concerned because people are going to be tuning in to watch Trey Young versus uh, the Knicks, and uh, it should be entertaining basketball. Well, I give I give credit to Trey Young. Well, really, the whole entire Atlanta team. I thought they played well, of course, winning that series. You know what's funny is watching the game winner or darn near close to it. I think it was game one or two. I can't remember. But mind me so much, and I don't want, you know, people, so people out there, listeners out there, <clears throat> so they kind of know why I feel what I feel about the NBA. Growing up, I was not an NBA fan. I, I My dad was. He was a diehard New York Knicks fan. Obviously now, unfortunately, his health is declining, so he doesn't care if the Knicks would have won the NBA championship. He would have thought that was cool. He just doesn't care. But Growing up, it was New York Knicks, you know, Allen Houston, Patrick Ewing, Latrell Sprewell, Larry Johnson, Charlie Ward. I know I'm missing Marcus Camby. I mean, list goes on and on. He always remembers back in the 60s and the – well, somewhere in the 60s, 70s, you know, so on and so forth. But what's funny is uh, when Trey Young hit the game winner, I think it was game one, um, remind me so much, so much of when Reggie Miller always was a thorn to the Knicks' side. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was quite the quite the thing to be in the, uh, with the Knicks. It was just, you know, it would be like, okay, we're playing. We're playing Indiana. Well, can we stop Reggie? No. Well, poop. You know, that's basically what Knicks fans did because it was just like, we got to put up with Reggie Miller. Um, but no, I think Trey Young will, uh, I think he'll continue to do well in the, in the, in the NBA. I don't know who he gets matched up with. Uh, I don't know who he gets matched up with in the second round, but I'm sure that nonetheless, he, he'll do well. Is it me though? Or the, can Trey Young practically make a basket from anywhere on the court? I, I don't know. I mean, he's starting to turn into Steph Curry again. It's like, <laughs> I mean, and, and what's going to entertaining is if Golden State can get their pieces together and Atlanta can get some momentum built up from experience in the playoffs and it's Trey Young versus Steph Curry, that will be an entertaining finals matchup because you're going to talk about two players that can just do basically turn the game of horse. You know, anything you can do, I can do better. Yep. And that's going to be made for some, and, and that may be the 
the catalyst that the NBA needs to get the viewership back up because fans like I had to be entertaining to watch. So I'm I'm excited about it. No, I'm not knocking it. Um, but no, it's being last thing on the NBA. Well, I'll put it out this way. Uh, we'll say local Oklahoma City. I don't know many players coming out of the college, but you know, unfortunately, I'll be honest with you. This past college basketball season, up until up until the March Madness, I just was not following very closely, so on and so forth. And of course, Oklahoma, you know, they they didn't fail fair too well as as many expected. But you know, won the first match. I forgot who they beat. Second one, of course, losing to Gonzaga, which I mean, I saw that coming. But what's but going to Oklahoma City? How long, from your standpoint, I. I think I told someone, it was, wasn't even podcast related. I told them that we'll probably be back in the playoffs looking at the 23 24 season. What your ex, what from your standpoint and where the current team is, obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency if anything's going to happen, but we don't know anything down in the future. But the current standpoint, where do you think, uh, when do you think we'll be back in this playoff? playoff mode, not saying we're going to make it to the Western Conference uh, Finals or anything, just playoffs. How far or how soon do you think we are from being back in the playoffs? Well, well the key is going to be well, how we're doing the draft lottery. We've got that one game, the final game of the season against the Clippers, which we ended up winning, um, uh, which was a bit of a startle to me. I mean, I told you last time we, we spoke that I wouldn't, I didn't see the Thunder winning another game for us this season, ended up winning like three more games. Um, ended up costing them because because of the way the records were, and they ended up playing tied for the for with with winning percentages and the way tiebreakers worked. So they went from having the fourth best odds to having the seventh best odds to win the number one draft pick. If they don't get a top five pick, I think they tank again because they need a top five caliber player that they can build around. And so I think if they don't get a top five pick, they may just say, we're going to keep most of the players now. We may win a few more games because we're going to have more experience. But if they get a top five pick, I think they make the playoffs in this next season, 2021, 2022. If they don't, I think we might one more year before they're back in the postseason contention. I, I could see that. Um, you know, I got – I know I got to call someone down there, but no, it's, uh, you know, I enjoy, I'll be glad that when we go back to Thunder games, that's going to be nice. Um, it is. That's going to be amazing. But yeah. if all the listeners yeah. out there. And it was way after, um, they, they, of course, they split the game the season in half. Yep. And after the first half, second half, the Thunder announced that, you know, even though other teams are allowing fans back in, they wouldn't. And when I saw one, I said, hey, that's great because, you go down there in a Thunder game, you it, it's quite the experience. And, you know, and they realized that people didn't want to, especially with the way that he was performing, they didn't want players I and mean, fans uh, paying money for tickets, parking, gas, or Ubers, where to get, get to the game, and then only basically screw the experience at home because you're not going to be able to uh, interact with anything, uh, any food. You'll have to, like, or through the app, it's contactless, and it wouldn't be the experience that people have when they normally go to a Thunder game. So kudos to the Thunder for realizing that and saying, hey, we're not going to 
have fans have to have bad experience. Now we're just going to keep our doors shut until next year when, you know, we're better chance of having full capacity. And I think they're going to have full capacity next year. I mean, Oklahoma Sooners announced they're having full capacity. Oklahoma State can announce that. So I think it's going to be great for the fans to get back into it next year. Totally agree. And all the listeners out there, if you have not visited what is used to be, well, currently is the Chesapeake Energy Arena. I do not know um, what it's going to be for next year, if it's going to be even close to it. Uh, I've heard Paycom is an option. I don't know what the leading candidates are, but for now, we'll call it the Chesapeake Energy Arena. Of course, that's going to be changing sometime this year, if not next year. But um, definitely check out that arena. I swear, you know, I'm going to be biased. I've been to Dallas, but our fan base is like more, not should say a college atmosphere, but the atmosphere of it is like, is like um, Cameron Hall Indoor Stadium in Duke. These fans, they're not jumping up and down. I'm not saying that, but they're passionate. This this group of fans that we have down here in Oklahoma City, they're one of a kind, and they're the most loudest I've ever been into an arena period, regardless if it's a I'm yeah. not, no, exactly, exactly. And I remember, I mean, I went, attended arena football games with the Yard Dogs, and, and I, you can't compare the two, but the fan base nonetheless um, is there. Speaking of co- uh, coaches, real quick, uh, Coach K is going to retire uh, at the end of this season. Um, looking back, for not 42 years, I think it's going to finally end up being. If not 43, if you include this year, I don't know if, it, don't know if the 42 is including the 21-22 season or if it's going to be 43. But regardless, 42-43 doesn't matter. That's a humongous four decades worth of coaching at one spot, which is impressive in itself because there's been some Duke teams, including this year's team, that this wasn't very good. Um, reflecting on Coach K, one of the best. I know Duke's already named a head coach. I don't know much about him. I know he's an assistant. Um, hopefully he'll do well. I don't know much about him, but I know it's shoes, hard shoes to fill regardless. Real quick, David, I want to kind of touch up on spring football. What's your thoughts on, of course, now Roy Williams is retiring in, in North Carolina. Bill Self, we all, I think I think you and I did talk about that. Lifelong contract. I don't know how long he's got, but now you're seeing these old timers are starting to step down, step away retire and rightfully so you know they've done a phenomenal job as well Roy Williams for sure as well from your standpoint where would you rank coach K in regards to college basketball coaching well you have to as far as all time it's it's a matter of debate I would rate him in the top small handful of coaches all time and I would put up there with uh um his name's escaped me. The, the I think it's Rupp from Kentucky, um, and then of course you've got John Wooden, the greatest coach of all time at UCLA. Um, but then you have different eras of basketball. You know, you can't. It's comparing apples to oranges at this point because the game's changing, and that's one of the reasons that uh, he cited in his retirement. He said, "I'm not doing it because the game's changing. I do it because I'm one big family. I've been at this for decades, and." Um, I think it's uh, he's one of the greatest coaches, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the NCAA, you know, names a coach of the year award after. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they do that. I know that John Wooden awards the best player, so it would make sense that Coach K is the 
award for coach of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if that does that. And it's, it's one of his legacies. I mean, because, you know, I, I remember years ago when I was a young boy, I was my grandparents, I read an article on him when he first came to Duke and people were like, how do you say his name? And more importantly, how do you spell it? So they just, they started calling him coach K and it just stuck. Yep. So I think he's a, dele- uh, a legendary coach nonetheless. And I think it'd be great because it's for and someone else to take the reins and um, do what, uh, and uh, maybe continue to lead Duke to where uh, thing. And it may be what's happened at Oklahoma with Bob Stoops, you know, suddenly stepping down. No one saw that coming. And then they had a coaching wedding in Lincoln Riley and promoting from within is one of the best things you can do when it comes to sports teams, because they're always familiar with the system. They can just continue it on. And instead of having to make a bunch of changes, and the players not having to adjust a new coach, they can say, okay, well, we know this guy because he's there. Totally agree. And, of course, Lincoln Raleigh's done a phenomenal job at Oklahoma. I expect him, unless something weird happens, he should be here many years down the road as well as Oklahoma. You know, <clears throat> it, it's funny just walking, you know, growing up, it was, you know, you, obviously I wasn't no ba- athletic in basketball. Could I shoot a three-pointer? Yeah, but are you going to put me on a starting lineup no not really but bench yeah i may play i may be kind of like um oh i can't think of his name that was played from duke that was our, our kyle um oh, what was his name he came from duke he's on our bench anyway forever i don't know anyway i may play a minute two minutes you know you always see those stats average four minutes a game not even a read you know I, one-tenth of a rebound. I'm like, okay, I don't know how you get a tip in there, but sure, we'll go with that. But anyway, uh, it, it, it's funny, you know, even though I'm 33, it's it's weird seeing all these now coaches. It's like, man, these guys have been around forever, and of course we grow up. But, uh, you know, I do wish Co- – and hopefully Coach K can win one more. I mean, that would be cool for his way out. And But I don't know how talent-wise they are and how deep they are, so – it is Duke. I do know expectations there are always high, just like it is on those kind of basketball universities. So, but uh, last topic, uh, David, is spring football. Um, not many people, I don't think, that I know personally, has mentioned it. Uh, this league was around way before my time. But I do remember my dad mentioned about the Oklahoma Outlaws. The USFL is coming back spring of 22, the United States Football League. Uh, I'm actually excited for it, not just because it's football, but maybe Oklahoma City has a chance for a spring football league team. Maybe they do. And that's one of the things that I was hoping you would mention because I I saw it today. Um, I I saw it today and I was thinking, hey, this is pretty cool. And and sure enough, I I looked at it and I thought – I thought hey, this is going to be uh, uh, really good. And what really neat is is that um, they're using the same logo they've had during yep. the 80s. The, they, they haven't announced cities and teams and names and all that, but they've retained the rights to the original eight that were there. And, uh, and of course, they actually, unlike the Alliance of American Football that was in 2019 and then the XFL, um, which declared bankruptcy, um, because of the pandemic, they couldn't even finish their first season, which was sad because they were doing pretty good. Um, 
they survived for three years because they realized they couldn't compete with the NFL. Rather, they went to complement the NFL and play against spring football. Uh, but then their demise began when uh, then owner Donald Trump, we all know what happened with him. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, he owned the team, the New Jersey Outlaws, and he wanted to move the, the schedule of the fall to compete with the NFL. And it yep. went fairly quickly because the NFL, you know, you can't compete with them. They're, they're a monopoly. They're the only professional sports league that's a monopoly. You look at the NBA, they've got the G League. Uh, minor league baseball, we have a minor league baseball team in OKC, and it's been around for decades because they, they're mm-hmm. talking about one another. They don't compete. The NFL, because of its, well, there's only not like a minor league football league, they don't have competition, and they have, they're, they're, they're one of the biggest money-making leagues out there, so you kind of compete with them, you're going to fail, and so it's important that you don't comp- compete with the NFL. But I think the USFL has a great chance if they, they they've seen what the AAF and the uh, XFL have done, they can learn from that. And I think if they do it right, we could see, you know, we could have a full, you know, 10, 15, maybe even 16 team league in a few years because they've done things the right way. So I'm very excited about it. I think Oklahoma could support a X, I mean, a, a USFL team and, you know, and I'm excited about who they might have. You know, you might have players that might not get drafted in the NFL or old stars that are, you know, falling off and they have another chance to show themselves that you can go out and watch some great players for, you know, having a shot at a couple hundred bucks for a ticket. Well, I do know one thing, and I saw – I was actually sitting in my car this morning about to walk into work um, – when I when I got when I actually saw the tweet, I wasn't even really remotely scrolling. It just popped up. USFL returning spring point two. I'm like, this is awesome. Now we understand here in America. I know there's listeners out there that is beyond the borders of the United States that that listen in. Here in America, we haven't had very much success when it comes to spring football. Don't really know why. That's the Missing link, so to speak. The XFL back in what was it, 2001 or something like 2001, that? 2001. Uh, yeah. It was actually because it was, it wasn't a football league. It was entertainment. It well, was exactly. Quickly yeah. Quickly got all quick grew older than what happened. Like, well, and uh, and then AAF they just had they had some financial issues that no one knew about until it folded. They tried to sweep it under the rug. It didn't have, it didn't work, and then it belly up. And then, of course, the XFL, um, the new XFL, rather, um, COVID kind of put the nail in its cough because they had to pause the season and they didn't have the um, ability to fall back on things um, and wait, you know, so as a new league. So I think it's just, uh, I think it it can be a success, but you have to tread carefully and not compete with the NFL. Absolutely. And, yeah, exactly. I mean, the XFL 1.0, I remember watching that. That was a joke. Uh, you ran, practically ran for the football. The cheerleaders were, you know, you got in the locker rooms, and some of it was cool. Some of it was I really didn't give a rat to a rent. I mean, 2001, I was in the seventh grade, so I really didn't care about, as much as I love women, I didn't really care about the cheerleaders. I want to see football. Yeah. I mean, that's all exactly. I cared about. My, I mean, at that time, in 2001, I mean, you and I are all about the same age. 
Yeah. Um, well, I was at my grandparents. My grandparents were very conservative. And so they were letting me, you know, they, 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 they I want to watch them. And they watched it with me to make sure that I wasn't, you know, yep. checking something <laughs> out, you know. And oh, yes. About five minutes into it, they like turn it off. And I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, yeah. So I think uh, the XFL 2.0 is a lot better. And of course, Dwayne Johnson, formerly known as The Rock, um, I think he's doing great. He's got, he's got, he knows, he has connections with the, um, the company that uh, bought it is called Red, Redbird Capital. Um, mm-hmm. That bought it right before it went to auction. And I think that uh, they're working on an agreement to, uh, um, with the CFL, the Canadian Football League. And I think what they're doing is, is they're going to be basically their, um, they're up and running their minor leagues, if you will. Um, they haven't really announced it, but that's what I'm reading into. And they're basically going to say, hey, you know, we can have, we're going to enter contracts or um, agreements rather with each of the CFL teams. So each of the uh, XFL teams are going to have an affiliate in the CFL. So if the, uh, it's going to be like minor league baseball where, they're going to send teams down here to reassign to for rehab assignments or improve the quality of their game. And if that's the case, then I think we can have, they're going to have to adopt the same rule book because the rules are a little bit different from our version of American football and the CFL. I mean, the goalposts are in front of the end zone versus being at the back of the end zone. And there's certain rules about how you don't have to, uh, um, as far as uh, extra points and all that. So, um, I'm excited about it, and I think it'd be great to have football year-round and not just have to wait for the fall. Well, I know one thing, whether or not the XFL, technically my version, I call it 3.0, even though technically you can go 2.0 since COVID-19, since COVID-19, since COVID-19 uh, kind of put the nail in the coffin. I know the ratings were in, eh. I know in the middle of the season, regardless, of, I still think at least would have made the season, at least through the playoffs, I don't know if there would have been a second season or not. Of course, you know, in Spring League, you know, you have the Alliance, which it actually wasn't a bad product. Horrible management from what I read. Um, I know there's another league, the UFL, many years ago. I didn't get into that at all. But I know Spring Football hasn't really thrived, but I think it's – I'm not going to sit here and say the USFL will, but I think if it's done right, which I think I don't know who's behind it, but I think if it's done right, you get the right location. I think I'm hoping I'm not going to sit there and say that they're going to go literally grab the same teams back from the 1980s and put them back. I don't think that's going to happen. But if they're smart about their locations, such as St. Louis, such as I still think I'm going to be biased, but Oklahoma City. I think if you're strategic where football really is the brand, Alabama, for example, uh, yeah. Tuscaloosa, Auburn, I mean, Birmingham. Exactly. You know, go in the south where there's, I mean, yeah, um, you've got um, Atlanta. I say, okay, I kind of think Tennessee is still part of the south. So you've got Tennessee Titans, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, Miami Dolphins, and Jacksonville Jaguars. That's it for the South as far as football yep. teams. Mississippi and Alabama um, are uh, are um, football hotbeds, you know. And of course, everyone knows about you know Texas and its football. 
Um, and it's a love addiction with football. And you go down there and look at some of the high school stadiums, you're like, goodness gracious, oh, where God, are yeah. we? And, uh, but if, like I said, if they're smart about where they put these teams and, you know, if they're, they have to have the, and I think what they're wanting to do is one of the most important things. And one, this is my opinion about this is they need to find cities that have the infrastructure already in place um, with a stadium ready to go or that they can get it done quickly because they don't need to go to the city and have to work out with the city and its taxpayers about building a brand new state-of-the-art stadium, have one that's ready to go and that they can move into. And that way these teams can get established and get going versus having to wait. And we're going to award a franchise to you, but now, okay, now we can't award because you guys won't have a stadium ready. So I think that they, they have to get these, the core teams where their stadiums, where there's infrastructure, where the fans are ready to go and then expand from there. Oh, I totally agree. I think the USFL, I'm actually excited. I think I followed them now on Twitter just to kind of keep up with what they're going to do. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it thrives. I hope, um, I mean, I like the XFL. I thought the 2.0 was a little bit better um, than some, but hopefully regardless if they do merge with Canadian Football League, I have watched some CFL action. Don't know much about the rules. Same old, same old, but it feels wider, longer, so on and so forth. But nonetheless, um, I'm excited for the USFL. Really crossing my fingers that uh, we, we can land a team because now where will they play? I don't know. Depend, you know spring of 22, obviously the new stadium's not going to be remotely, I don't think it even broke ground yet on that thing for downtown. But if they happen to land, what would you say, Taft Stadium? I would say that stadium would be uh, would be ideal, but the other issue is, like I said, about infrastructure is parking. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to an energy game, uh, but there's not I've been to a few, but there's not much parking. Yeah, exactly, and you're going to have that's going to be a turnoff for fans. Um, so, what about Bishop as, McGinnis's high school? Bishop McGinnis might be better. They have a bit more, more parking. It's right there on the freeway, so you can see it right there. From I would say Norman, but we know how OU parking is. It's not the greatest. No, it's not. And I think that's one of the things about it. I mean, if Oklahoma does get in a USFL team, I think they'll have to wait a couple of years and wait because, the, it, it, like I said, that through infrastructure, about where people can go, the stadium, and getting to and in and out of the stadium. And, you know, the fans are going to go there, and then, you know, they're going to spend three hours in the game, another two hours in traffic they're not say well i'm not gonna come back here and so you want fans you need fans to return you know we need people that are going to support the team no matter what so um it's i'm excited about it it's promising and we're just going to play the waiting game and see well exactly and you know i would say the bricktown ballpark but uh, unfortunately um i don't know first of all if we could if we can even theoretically put a foot is it long enough for a football field do we even know that um I don't even know what the dimensions are, and uh, I don't either. Well, um, I don't. I mean, it would, it, it, and you would have to be the cost of uh, of converting it, you know, versus having to do it. You know, look at what um, I think. You look at what um, look at what ha was happening in Oakland at the O.Co. Coliseum, you know, where they're having to uh, um, convert the field from the football field to the 
baseball stadium back. And I remember watching Raiders games and there'd be a big old swab of dirt right in the middle of the field because of the playing on a baseball stadium. And then, you know, if you're running as a receiver or as a defender, you're running and you go from grass to dirt to grass, it messes up your tracks and your, and your mobility because you're going from different surfaces. So um, I think a football stadium would be better and not trying to convert anything um, unless it's indoor, which you can control the environment from that. Hey, indoor football. I wish we would have a team back in that. I do miss indoor football. But yeah. uh, last note, Major League Baseball, you know, potential expanding. I know it's – I just said it was the last topic, but I want to bring it up real quick. Uh, we're talking about Oklahoma City. Major League Baseball, of course, sounds like the Oakland A's is out uh, here in the near future. Uh, Portland, Las Vegas is rumored to be the top two landing spots. I know back in 2006, the Florida Marlins at the time, which is now the Miami Marlins, uh, rumored of if they don't get the fan base, stadium, all this, blah, 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 blah. You know, Oklahoma City was being rumored, and it was, you know, courtesy of ESPN.com. If you want to look it up, it's old. It's about 2006, I believe. But yeah. anyway, 05, 06. But anyway, um, do we see the A? Of course, the A's are going to be out regardless. Um where do we think – where do you think? I say Las Vegas. Unfortunately, even the Portland would be a better option. But with everything going to Las Vegas, I think Las Vegas gets it. What, could we or do we not? I don't – I think it would be a good market. I don't think we're big enough just yet. Could we see Major League Baseball, uh, MLB, to, okay, to Oklahoma City, or are we just not going to be there or just not there yet? I don't think we're there yet. Um because of, like I said, it has to do with the infrastructure. We don't have a stadium. Bridgetown Ballpark only holds, I think, 12,000 people at its, at its capacity. Um, the smallest capacity for Major League Baseball is Tropicana Field in Tampa Bay, and that's 31,000. That's basically time and a half times big of what Bridgetown Ballpark is. Um, and Major League Baseball is not going to put a – uh, a state a team where there's not a stadium that can't support it and and you know I'm not sure Oklahoma City's about to you know take the bite for building another stadium on the other side of town that you know that uh oh no and you know and then taxpayers aren't going to pay for it so I think Oklahoma City as much I'd love to see it and much as when I mean, you look at the Thunder everybody was like well Oklahoma City can't support a team and in three years we were in the NBA conference finals and now we've got one of the most passionate fan bases out there. And, uh, but um, I honestly think um, this, you, you and I were even, our, our grandparents weren't even out of high school when this was going on. But in the 1940s, St. Louis had two teams, the Cardinals yeah. and the Browns. And they both yeah. played at a stadium called Sportsman's Park. And I honestly think if the Oakland A's move, I would love to see them in St. Louis. I'd love to see St. Louis have two teams. I think they could support it. And and you could put leave them in the American League and then have, you know, interleague matchups between St. Louis and call it the Gateway Series or something, you know? Yeah, I didn't think about that. That'd be pretty nice. Yeah. I know my dad, Lord willing, he'd be around. If, if, if Let's play devil's advocate. If that was to happen, Lord willing, he'll be around because I know his health is, is on the decline pretty bad, but... You know, I know that uh, if that was to happen, I'm sure he – I think he got some strength left in him that could uh, make a trip to go see the Oakland days before he was to pass away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they could keep the uh, keep the nickname, the, the, you know, the, the St. Louis Athletics. I mean, that, that, that's just one of those 
old school names that's just that gives you that nostalgic feel that everybody loves. Totally agree, and uh, I'm looking forward uh, looking forward to this USFL. Definitely, I think I signed up for an email alert, so hopefully they will be uh, communicating pretty well. But um, David, as always, um, I'm going to talk flip, and we'll try to. I always say it, and I'll get sidetracked. I'm not going to. I'm going to say it, and then obviously I'm going to jokingly say it. But it seems like when I do say the opposite, it goes literally the opposite. I'm not going to text you tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> But maybe I won't be as busy if I say that, if I say it that way. No, I'm kidding. I'll text you tomorrow. I got some ideas on the show I want you to be involved with. So uh, I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll quote unquote not text you. Hopefully it will yeah, be. Yeah, you, know, you, you reach out yeah. to me whenever you can. And uh, <laughs> I know you're, you're, you're very busy between work and this. So whenever you get a moment, you'll reach out and we'll, uh, we'll touch base and get some things going. So it's been great having me on. Hey, David, it's always a pleasure. You've been, Dave as well, uh, I'll put his information on the description once the uh, episode gets released as well. As always, guys, it's been a pleasure. David, thank you again for coming on. <clears throat> you guys are uh, listening to the Air Raid Attack podcast. Listen and follow the show on Twitter at Air Raid underscore podcast. My personal Twitter, on air with Mike, and I will see you all next week.